The only one who can stop you is you. That's right. I'm over here with the go live button and the uh, and That's the a very soft go live saying. button. Yeah, it is, and I fully believe it. There's some overlap. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good question. What percentage of your character is you? Ooh, I like it. Let's oh. start with it. Let's open with that. Sixty percent. We're, no, no, we don't answer yet. Oh, oh we, we are live. Yeah, we're live. Are we, oh, a, a wild Matt appears. Bro. Matt? I know you weren't going to be here. Uh, me too. Should have <laughs> be here. When you're so good at your job that they ask you to work late and you're still done in time to join the stream. Wow. Bang. That totally happened. Yeah. yeah. You definitely That's... didn't just decide to come stream anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Did you Definitely secretly not. put an application in at my workplace and quit tonight? Is that what you did? Is that what yeah. you're here? Matt, uh, I, no. I, I, I set the ball up for you, Matt, and you watched it fall back down on your side of the net right in front of you. Yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. Here's an opportunity for Matt to be like, yeah, I'm great at stuff. And he was like, yeah, that, I didn't do that. That's not the way it went. I suck at things. <laughs> you know, as you know, sometimes you got to take the L. You're caller number four. We're live on Twitch right now. Whoa. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I've always wanted to talk to you guys. Um, where's <laughs> my favorite person's Matt? Where's Matt? Oh, you know, it's weird. He doesn't have his camera switched on, so I, I, I don't think he's here tonight. We can't see him. But, oh, wait. Um, <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait. Just, 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 just wait. Wait for it. He's wait for slow motion. Dun, 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 hey, dun, dun, dun. Yes, we got him. Ooh, is, he's is got he recording? All a jacket on. Yeah, uh, everybody, Classy. stop your audacity recording so oh, we can start no. another one. Are we actually doing that? Uh, no, because I want I, the content. No, Matt, no, keep it in there. I mean, Matt could just, oh, no. Matt could just start yeah. his. Oh no, Jake, did you stop? <laughs> I did. Just start again. <laughs> Don't delete it. Just start recording again. I did. I did. Yeah. It'll be so hard to sync. I'm so yeah. sorry. Rip wash. <laughs> the, well, um, he can for reference. And then just send me the first one. Hey. <laughs> I, I started recording right when he said it's going to be so hard to sync, like right as you started saying that. All right. Amazing. Right before Amazing. you joined, we were talking about how nice it was for wash when we all started recordings at the same time. <laughs> And how it helps so incredibly much. But hey, man, I'd rather I'd rather put in yeah. the extra four hours of work and have you here because <laughs> you're worth it. For sure. I love you that much. I love four hours like worth giving of work. you four hours of work because I know you love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, but I love you. So you're question, totally worth four hours of time. So the question is, um, what percentage of you is in your character? But before we answer that question, I have to ask a different question because oh, okay. it's really important to me and I've been dwelling a lot on this for like maybe 20, 25 minutes now. This has really been like stuck in my head. And I have to understand, if you're gonna roast somebody for waiting in line for something, why would you pick <laughs> McDonald's to go to for the purposes of that roast? Like eating at McDonald's is its own roast. To brag that you got into and out of McDonald's before somebody gets through the line at a grocery store 
is like saying I was able to get dumpster diving before you were able to get out of Macy's with your jacket or something like that. Like now, just, this is a this is a really random question, but I respect <laughs> it. I respect where it's coming from. Um, and I would, you know, if in this hypothetical situation, I think the scenario that would most make sense is if that was the closest restaurant in proximity to your current location. That's like if I had to throw a wild oh, random okay. guess out there. On? Is that what it is? That's, that, that would make the most sense. I, I guess I yeah. can I can see that. Also, right. if you're a fat dumpster of a person and you don't care about <laughs> calories, then, you know, <laughs> it, is, it doesn't really matter. You're a fat dumpster of a person is an awesome. Oh, Josh, why would you say such a terrible thing? Yeah, why would you call wash that? That's I didn't call horrible. wash that. I said it's, it's an horrible. awesome schoolyard insult. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I, I interrupted your explanation with yeah. my uh, with my audacity. Okay, so we can we can get back to the actual question now, which is what percentage of you is in the dumpster fire of a person? Uh, I mean, we, wait, what is your character? <laughs> Fox is in the dumpster fire of a person. <laughs> 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 We've got emo, tragic past emo rogue. We've got tragic past family's all messed up mole wizard. Uh, we've got my, I killed my best friend uh, artificer, uh, and then we have perfect Zoth, who is just loving and kind. And there's there's nothing wrong with him. Perfect, whatever. The closest thing. Oh, the closest we thing would. to a flaw that Zoth has say. is that he beat up a robot that one time without checking that it was like if it was under control or not. <laughs> Yo, Josh. Oh, that's it. Wait, that is Twitch. Twitch yeah, that's can Twitch. Put, Twitch can put ads to the side of your stream, not just. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You can put it down below to it now. Yeah, and I, we don't have a button so to turn weird. it off. Sorry, viewers. Okay. <laughs> I totally was just like, Josh, did we get like an Amazon affiliate link? Like, what's going on? Uh, well, Twitch is Amazon, so. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So. Um, Anyway, what yeah, I was going to say, yeah, uh, I, okay, I don't know why this hyper-specific number came up, but 37% mm. of myself is in, is in, uh, Alan. I say that because I think on paper, not much of me is in Alan at all. I am, even though I think I'm a creative person, I'm also a problem solver, and I'm also a pretty analytical person, like, I like looking at things, like, from the outside, like, objectively, and so... Because of that, uh, I think that goes into Alan. But when it comes to like Alan's like military roots and like his like obsession over science and magic and those sorts of things and like making things with his hands, that isn't quite as much me. Um, like that is mostly like that character and even the contrast of well, in a way, the contrast of the nerdy barbarian. It's kind of out of at least the way that I feel like a lot of people who didn't know me super well thought of me in like high school where I was like I played football and I was a pretty big guy and I did athletics and stuff like that but also I hung out with the nerd kids which was like my friend group and it was amazing and it was great and they were way better people than the others <laughs> for the most part uh, but I th but I think those other like on paper attributes are not really me and then I think like Alan's dialogue and demeanor is not as much me however that can still slip in like I think it's pretty easy to especially when you've been with a character for a long time for like the day-to-day role-playing interactions to become more and more like yourself because you start to become more familiar with the character but at the same time 
that character starts to kind of just like, I don't know. You get less I vigilant, think like, maybe? Maybe that's the case. I just remember, you know, being very conscious about Alan's character voice and the way that he would say things in the first couple sessions versus like now it feels a lot more natural, but I'm not sure whether that's me naturally being that same like commitment to the character or if it feels more natural because his characterization has slipped a little bit more into mine, if that makes sense. So maybe I would up it. I think I'm going to go to 42% actually. Mm. <laughs> All right. Nice. But I yeah. respect it. Matt, you're muted. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, remind me, I need to buy a new cable. Uh, but since I'm talking, I guess I'll answer. Um, I I would say for Fox, probably. Yeah, uh, this is hard. Um, high nineties, right? High nineties. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, you know, like 65 percent, like mm. in there. Well, well you know what? I, we'll compromise 69 percent. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, I, I ch- did choose bits and part bits and parts of like childhood. Um, one of them being like, uh, like, you were I was a wannabe edgy kid when I was when I was really young um, in like middle school, but I wasn't at all. That's what I wanted to be, <laughs> um, which was funny, but I didn't have the like the guts to actually become edgy. <laughs> but I was like, man, it would be so cool if I was edgy. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to I'm going to channel a little bit of that because uh, I thought it was funny. Um and definitely a lot of the day-to-day stuff for Fox, right? Um, especially at the beginning of streams, I have to catch myself because um, I definitely blend that stuff really fit. Like, it's hard to tell the line between Fox and me sometimes because I that's I've molded Fox into such a personality that I can relate to. <laughs> that sometimes I have to stop and be like, is this a decision Fox would make? Or am I just like instinctively making my own decisions? Um, but I'd only, only like in the sixties. Cause like, I, I don't know. I, I never went down the edgy arc, you know? <laughs> so there's a pretty high percentage. And I think it's our, it's, I think it's our first percentage above 50%. So let me ask you this follow-up question. Do you think Fox benefits from your personality or do you think you benefit from Fox's personality? Uh, I, I think... Could it be both? I think Fox benefits a little bit from having um, some of the realism I put into it, right? Some of the character I put in there. Um, and I really try to pour that out with every time there's an emotional moment with Fox is I'll take like the informations in D&D, right? And I'll, I'll twist it to the information, but I try to pull the emotion from something I can relate to and the feeling is something I can relate to and twist that into something that fits the situation. Um, I have a lot more success with that than just faking it. That's called acting. <laughs> That's just- <laughs> No, Jake, Jake, in this context, we call it role-playing, okay? Uh, it's, the, it's the same definition, yeah. it's just a different word. 
True. Um, yeah. Nobody remember, wants to play a tabletop acting game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A tag. Come on. I know a lot of people who actually would, but <laughs> um, would that make the game more marketable? <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely say uh, I, I have a lot of fun doing that. Um, and I had something else to add to that, but I completely lost it once I was told I was acting. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. No, it's all good. Um, if Five I come back to me, I'll, I'll say. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll follow it up with a compliment. I wouldn't be able to play Fox nearly as well as Matt plays Fox. Like, I do think that, like, Fox's, like, uh, charisma and overall, like, draw as a character definitely benefits from Matt's personality a lot. I'll, I'll say this. I wish I had the wit Josh does, because that's like, like, when I think charisma, I think a lot of that comes with wit. And I've known Josh for so long that, like, I feel like I've, I try every day. I'm like, not, just... not to not to roast Josh, but you'd be surprised how much wit you have. Well, Josh also has a lot of wit, but like you would be surprised also. <laughs> like... I, I was going to I was going to try and turn it around, too. Yeah, I think Matt's incredibly witty. Um, yeah, you, you flatter me and I'm thankful. I feel great. Down. But like also <laughs> um, you are you are very, very witty. Like, I, you know, charisma is a measure of your character's ability to influence a social situation. So a scary person is charismatic, and a creepy person is charismatic, and a funny person is hey, charismatic. Today I learned I'm, I'm charismatic. Yeah. And, well, so what I'm saying is, Matt, you have a lot of social influence. Um, you, are, you are the kind of person who can step up and lead a group when they don't know what they want to do, and you're the kind of person who can um, take something that starts out being awkward and turn it into something funny and smooth over like a weird situation for people like you have a lot of social power so wow. i would say that you're like a very high charisma I'm gonna person cry. yeah get oh, wrecked <laughs> get, get you're emotionally good at wrecked stuff. right now you loser yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no my only weakness compliments <laughs> we're up to 70 percent now matt logs back off discord he's not here for the night he's like, i gotta go just, to work <laughs> just don't stop your recording matt just don't stop your recording yeah yeah <laughs> The Patreon content. Trevor, what about uh, you? Tell, tell us about Zothkug. Um, I would say Moral Compass is relatively similar. It's hard to say 100% in terms of Moral Compass specifically because I've never been in a, put in a situation where like fighting and, and harming people is like the norm. But I think relatively it, it's close to where, where I think it would be. Um... Obviously, certain actions he does are not actions I do. Um, but I think overall, probably in like the the seventy to eighty percent range, minus the drugs. My, yeah, minus the drugs. That's when he said certain actions I do, or he does are not certain actions I do. It took me a moment to be like, what is he talking about? It's like ah, oh, the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think I I tend to just it, it's easier for me to play characters, and I I, I don't know if this, this is just a general like role playing thing, but like the closer they are to me, the easier it is. Um, oh sure, yeah. And I find it very challenging to play like high charisma characters really well, or like if there's like a skill set I know nothing about, then it, it becomes kind of more difficult to sort of fake it. Like in one of my campaigns, I played. Um, a character that was like 
they did they did like tarot readings, palm readings. They were like sort of a, a, a what's it, a psychic sort of. Um, but they like they, they like uh, they were a circle of stars druid and they like worship the stars and stuff. So I, I have a bunch of like tarot cards that someone gave me as a gift and I, I learned a little bit about it. And like we would use it in game and stuff, but I it was just all kind of like I guess making it up as I go and it wasn't really based in the the art or the science of it if you could call it that. It's more episodes of that game. And I, I really liked that character. I thought that you had a really cool uh, way of playing that character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to say... I, I, I respect that you can casually accept a compliment. That's a thing that like <laughs> people... I think millennials and Gen Z suck at accepting compliments. So I highly respect that you that you just managed to pull it off. We're like so. It's like one of the things that, as a generation, we were never taught. We don't know how to accept a compliment without trying to compliment the other person back, and we don't know how to accept help without trying to even scale somehow. Like, let me demo you that, or at least for at least for Gen Z, it's like uh, it's like don't know how to accept a compliment without like endlessly self-deprecating to to like offset. Like, (laughs) well, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'll know me. (laughs) Generation wrecked. <laughs> we we know sixty nine percent of you. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> oh, this is a Anyways, good segue. Anyways, is actually four hundred twenty percent. Yeah. Uh, oh, there you right. go. <laughs> this is a good segue an into into another thing that I wanted us to do tonight. Did we which skip is... Wash? No, Wash yeah. started, didn't he? No. No. Oh, we skipped well. Wash. Sorry, guys. What's your first Sorry, Sorry, Watch, tell us about Jeff. <laughs> I gotta go to work, guys. Yeah, we'll copy and paste Matt's sobs oh, here for a while. They're calling. Matt's work is calling me, guys. Yeah. Me. <laughs> Watch, tell us about Jeb. I thought you went first. Sorry about that. Oh, no, I had just asked the question. That's probably what you were thinking of. Mm. Um, hmm. I'm gonna say it's actually probably pretty low. Um, maybe uh, like like just shooting from the hip. I'm thinking probably about twenty five percent. Um, like he he borrows a lot of my my southernisms in speech, but I'm not like a native southerner. Um, I'm just kind of proficient in it. So uh, so so it like acquired the skill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I'm definitely like a legit transplant. Uh, I was I was born up north, and but I've lived down here a long time. Um, and so, like, so that really doesn't pull from there. Um, I will say that that some of his motivating, like, the most important things to him and the most impactful things to him are probably rooted in some of my my deepest joys and deepest fears. Uh, not to get too, um, like, to get too real. But like one of one of my one of my deepest fears is to is for something to happen for me to lose my family. And and so like going through that and 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 having like a a place to roll through that thought experiment has really helped me kind of quell those thoughts that are that kind of float around in the back of my head. That, That yeah, that nagging what if or you know and what and whatnot but then too on on like the positive side you know some of the some of the best days of my life were um 
were in my late teens, early 20s with my very close knit group of friends where where it was that time in life where you just like you spent every evening of like every day together uh, and oh, yeah. and like the modern equivalent of of an adventuring party where, where everybody's kind of got their role and like they were they were uh, all in the band that I was in like we were all kind of in a band together so we still had like a lot of synergy and uh, and a lot of camaraderie there and and I feel like the the desire to be a part of something like that and having found something like that and wanting to keep it together is has kind of flowed in into Jeb. Um, I I am not brazen and outspoken <laughs> like like Jeb is like I, you know, I, I'm pretty introverted. But when I get into a crowd, you know, I can get like a little extroverted. But uh, but yeah, Jeb, he, he's a he's a He's a firecracker, and he's he's way out there, and and maybe a, maybe a bit of what I, you know, something that I would like to be more like, uh, without the corruption. <laughs> but, yeah, but without how do you feel about addiction. gambling? That's what I want to yeah. know. <laughs> oh no, see, yeah, see, that's the thing. I am I am a straight arrow. Like I I have not done like anything remotely uh, risky or dangerous my entire life. And so I, I think that there's some, I don't know, maybe some catharsis in, in being able to kind of go through some of that without the adverse effects of legitimate jail time and, you know, <laughs> and, and consequences. Although Josh is pretty great about bringing consequences for my illegitimate uh, <laughs> D&D exploits and whatnot, you, you which is also... donation. That's right, angel investors for the win, baby. Yeah, all the time. Uh, Wash, do you mind if I ask what was the name of your band? Uh, so it, not on the map at all. This is like the '90s, and and we like only played in uh, America. It, well, yes, that is actually true. Like only in like the town that I grew up in, okay. or yeah. Um, but what? we were called Church of Seven, and. Uh, yeah, it was, we what? were like an alt Christian rock band. What quietly bass mega and lead vocals, and I wrote songs. What quietly mega successful band has Trevor been in that Wash can say we weren't on the map at all? And Trevor's like, that means just regional to America. <laughs> <laughs> what international superstar? Yeah, exactly. With your small time American band. Yeah. He keeps talking about Ice Nine Kills. He is the guy from Ice Nine Kills. He's all nine yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> I killed the others. <laughs> Absorbed their power. That's why it's nine kills, is because he has a KD of nine. Yeah. Uh, my they band call him Ice. My, my uh, Dogsville High School uh, Wind Ensemble. Ah, I was in the mm. Docksville, well, the different Docksville, different Docksville High School concert band. Docksville no. adjacent. <laughs> I was in Docksville Middle and High School band. Uh, I mean, okay, gosh, if we're getting yeah, that specific, too. I was in yeah. Docksville, a uh, Docksville adjacent <laughs> middle school and high school Docksville. concert band, Docksville adjacent high school marching band, and Docksville adjacent high school jazz band, and Docksville adjacent middle school jazz oh, oh, band. Okay. So, oh, oh, so you're okay. Not, okay. So you're not going to believe this, but the town that I grew up in was actually called Docksville. <laughs> you're right, I don't. 
Yeah, that's, that's not true. That's that, that, that's that 25%. <laughs> there it it's is. A safe space, now, guys. Now JVP. we have to found a town called Doxville. <laughs> I think that's I mean, the. Maybe every one shot we do takes place in Doxville. Like, it's wildly different every time, but it's just, <laughs> we just call it Doxville. Maybe anytime. if we do an in person one shot, we travel to Doxville, get an Airbnb there, and yeah. get from there. Get doxed. Yeah. yeah. Get doxed. Losers. <laughs> wait, wait. There's a. Oh, no, that's Dicks. The I X. The I X. So close. It's so far away. <laughs> somebody, somebody, please audio clip that and make it their ringtone. From <laughs> no wait. It's just dicks. <laughs> yep. Just, just cut it right there. Uh, oh no wait. That's <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are horrible. Get your minds out of the gutter. <laughs> That's in line at the airport. Good. That's in line at the airport trying to go through TSA. <laughs> he has his passport, and all of a sudden his pocket chirps. Oh no! Wait. <laughs> oh. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is that. That's totally a, a segue into the next. We're just moving. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted us to answer a community question from the D and D community, and okay. I'd eventually like to start getting these from our listeners. So, hey, listeners, if you're hearing this, you should submit some. You can send them to our Discord or during the stream or whatever. Ask us questions about D and D. But I scoured r slash D and D for five, maybe six minutes looking for really common questions that have been asked a lot. And one of the ones that I saw the most was, um, how do I come up with my character's backstory? Or do you have any tips on coming up with a character backstory? So I'd love if we just kind of roundtabled it. You know, how, how do you guys approach coming up with a character backstory? What are your tips on making it actually useful to the game? Because there are like there are people who will write a whole novel about their character and it never comes up. So how do you come up with a character backstory that's relevant to the game and like actually a useful tool for role playing? Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'll structure mine in a couple phases. First, I'll go specifically into like what I or I'll I'll base what I did specifically for this campaign with Owland, and then like that's generally how I do it anyway. So phase the first. Phase the first. <laughs> first, you must have a concept in your head. <laughs> so like for me, the general concept was like, okay, what if there was a barbarian who didn't really want to be a barbarian? He wanted to be like a scientist. And so, or like this idea of like the gentle giant who's like actually like like his intellect, like you wouldn't expect by seeing his his like general like you know demeanor. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing there, Wash, um, but wow, your mind is blown. That's crazy. We're thinking uh, of concepts, aren't we? Okay, so yeah, that's the first phase. Think of a concept. Oh, oh phase, phase the second. Phase the second. Can I, can I just give a, a little readout to the listeners who are on the audio only yeah, go, club? Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> Footnote. <laughs> the other people on camera were currently putting their hands to their temples and thinking really hard as is to demonstrate they too are coming up with a concept and then taking the hands away in an explosive motion from their head. We're all doing it as I'm speaking about this footnote. Anyway, go on to phase the second. Brain phase the second. You must start a dialogue with your DM as to your concept and how it will fit into the general schema of the campaign. 
So once you have your concept, you start talking to the DM and you go, hey, here's this idea that I have. Um, how do you think that'll fit into the party dynamic in the world? And you kind of have a little, have a little chat, have a little, you know, that could just be digitally like over Discord, like, hey, I want to do a smart barbarian. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I think that'd be good. What do you think about this? And so you go back and forth on that a little bit. And that helps make sure that once you're kind of getting into backstory mode, your DM can help you kind of figure out a way to actually make it relevant to the campaign and like actually make it like, yeah, work. It also makes sure that like you don't pitch the DM a camp, uh, uh, like a, a, a character idea and then the DM isn't like, actually there's another character in the party that like is wanting to do the same thing. And so like that way you're not getting like, like True. redoing party rules or like having backstories that are like eerily similar um, by coincidence, things like that. So from there, then you start like, you know, now you're in the actual backstory phase. So like I said, it's good to have a dialogue with the DM of like, hey, I'm thinking about doing, he's from this town on the world. He, we can, and in this in this case, we did a lot of in-depth world building that I was like, therefore. Uh, so that made it me more familiar with like the backstory of like the events that have happened in the world and the way the different parts of the world are, which was really helpful for them thinking about, oh, I want him to be sort of like this where he used to be a soldier and now he's this. What if he was in this specific conflict that existed in the world? And then after that conflict happened, he went to this place because that would make sense for the soldiers to go to this place. And there you go. Like, you know, so having a knowledge of the world and obviously if you're doing a pre-built, um, like, like a module, that's more of just a dialogue with the DM rather than like uh, figuring, cause like that doesn't necessarily have like a fleshed out world that you did a whole Dawn of Worlds thing about. So that's more like talking to the DM, I think about well, like, can this be relevant? If it's, if it, if it's already a formatted third. thing, you could, you could probably, you know, research it um, a little true. bit. Yeah. Um, it's actually uh, yeah. kind of common if you're using a pre-baked setting to have what's called a gazetteer, which oh. is like a four to five page printout of like what's happening in the world, what are those certain factions. Essentially, like instead of talking to the DM, like it's already all written out, all the players read through it to kind of front load some lore, and then you can use that to kind of build your Well, there you go. It. Do that. Do um, that. But yeah, that's that's how I've generally done most of my characters is like starting with the concept, talking to the DM and then fitting it into the world because I've pretty much only done campaigns that are homebrew worlds. Um, I've done I've done a couple that are not, but mostly the mm -hmm. campaigns have been homebrew. Like I've I did, like and when I did a character for Strahd, if I remember correctly, Curse of Strahd, my character was yeah. I don't think I did the same process and so my character was not nearly as in-depth. But anyway. Yeah, there you go. That's fair. There are no more phases. <laughs> okay. Um, Phase the finished. <laughs> I'll say uh, for me, it's a little bit different, but roughly the same. I usually start with what class do I want to play this time? Mm. Um, or figure out like amongst the party, like what classes maybe are needed. And it's a little meta to try and balance the party, but I think it's a good thing to have. So sometimes I just end up playing whatever's needed. Sometimes I'll like pick this. I haven't played this class in a while. Let me play that. Um, well, like, so, once you decide, once you decide on like your race class, how you fit into the party and stuff, what do you do to flesh out that character's backstory? Yeah, uh, I was. Yeah. Um, so after I do that, I usually try and think of sort of different characters that either fit that sort of class, like our, our stereotypical examples of that class, or sometimes I just have like a funny idea 
Um, so sometimes it's like based off of a character that I know and I like I'll take traits and quirks from things I've seen in various movies and so it ends up becoming like a mix and mash of things I've experienced and sometimes it's just a funny idea that I've come up with um so and then I also have this cool book uh, Whoa, ooh, I like the it. ultimate that book. RPG oh, yeah, yeah. backstory guide um, and so it just gives you a bunch of like exercises to help you flesh out a character and so if I'm stuck on a part of the backstory or if I'm just just stuck in general I'll start going through the different exercises that help you sort of flesh out the character you know it helps you determine their alignment their sort of oral and ethical um, code it'll give you some like things to consider like where did you grow up your family what sort of holidays happened in this town that you grew up in um then there's uh yeah and it, it, it's sorted arranged by levels so it goes from like level one to five then like five to eight then like eight to twelve and so on and so the higher level you start out as the more you flesh out and there's because your character has done more um nice. And then obviously I I heavily work with, with my DMs because I like to root the character into the world. It helps me um, just ground them to the world and understand their place in it. And so I like to work a lot with my DMs and I'll bounce ideas off of them and they'll come back with suggestions about certain things and eventually we work it out. Like in nice. one of my campaigns, um, I have a character whose father like left when he was a kid and he doesn't know anything about him. And so I just told the DM, well, I'm not going to write about this since he my character doesn't know. And that's up to you. So the DM has control of whatever happened to the dad, who he is, if he's important or not. Like, I don't know. But it's like a fun detail that may or may not come up. I like you know. To Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, you, you, you go ahead, We sir. just did the ultimate voice meeting thingy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you go. No, okay. So um, I, I actually do it a different way from Jake or Trevor. I like to start at the, the event or occasion that caused a character to start adventuring. Um, so I like to work everything out from their motivation because once I know what that motivation is, and I, I will usually let that influence the, like... So, so there's this event that makes someone ad adventuring and it usually falls into one of a couple categories. Like it could be a tragedy that sends them out on their way. It could be an aspiration that sends them out on their way. I want to be a something. Um, or it could be like a, a, a bond related thing. Like my family always goes on this pilgrimage or something like that. And from one of those three categories, I kind of pick what what they're going to do so like what's the quest right something sent them on there this is so this is all like personal motivations like what's my personal quest what can i be doing in every session that makes my character believable because nobody's really a hundred percent focused on what they're doing like there's always you know it, it always goes through this filter of like what but what do i want what what am i afraid of or what's going to bring me fulfillment those are usually kind of the filters that i feel like people run through when they're in a situation and so to me, it makes the character more real if I can be in any situation thinking, okay, but what would bring this person fulfillment or alleviate discomfort for them? Um, and that usually comes back to the reason they're adventuring. And then I'll let those things actually influence what the class that I choose is and how I, you know, the level progression and which skills I choose to take and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, and that's been, at least for me, that's been the way to make them most most relevant. And I agree with both of you. I, I think talking to your DM during backstory creation is the best way to make sure your backstory matters. Um, so if I come up with an event, I basically what I'm doing is pitching it and um, not saying this is what my character must be. And I think that's a big deal for like, you know, if you want to be a functioning part of the party, you have to remember that D&D is like collaborative storytelling. And so even though I might come up with an idea that I love, like what's more important is that the whole table has fun and we're all playing the same kind of game. So really, that I guess true. really this, the, this should go hand in hand with like character backstory goes hand in hand with there should be a session zero where like the party can lay out the ground rules of like, here's the kind of game we want to play. Here's the style we want to run. You know, do we want to take this really seriously? Do we want it to be a hack and slash? Do we want to just meme? Um, I think that's a, a big piece of it too, because knowing that beforehand will save you so much wasted effort on backstory. Yeah, in my sure. opinion. But anyway, so that's that's kind of my approach to it. Uh, Wash, would you like to go or Jay? Why? <laughs> I would absolutely win. love to go. Thank you so much. I appreciate your offering. <laughs> your stash is very beautiful too. Just wanted to comment on that. Um, <laughs> I like uh, I like improvising, but I think that comes. I I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it. Um, as uh, like I started DMing before I started playing, and and so I've gotten very used to. Uh, I use the Sly Flourish's lazy dungeon master method, which is prepare what is most expedient and improvise the rest. Um, so when I was making Jeb, I think I've told this story a time or two before, but I rolled on a table. I was like, what's his background? What's his call to adventure? I rolled on a table and it was like he fell asleep on a boat and ended up in a weird place. And that was like Jeb's backstory for a while. But uh, taking a page out of uh, Jake's book, I do remember you and I worked like, I don't want to say it was a bunch, Josh, but it was like we went back and forth about like who was in his past. You wanted like an NPC that he had like a contact with the whole um, and then we like ironed out the whole uh, what was the name of the, the dead eyes gambling? Yeah, the dead eyes, um, which didn't come up too incredibly much. But that's like, but that's like the way it goes. Um, I would like if I had one piece of advice, it would it would kind of be that to to prepare and create the the difficult things, like the things that you have a hard time coming up with on the spot. Make those things first and then improvise and fill in the rest uh, because you, you want to make an incomplete character so that they can grow. Mm. Um, you know, you, like I think the first character that I ever made, I pretty much wrote out like a whole adventure that he had already gone through. And so by the time he got to the table and we started playing, he had like finished his story arc like in my head because I had written this whole big four page backstory mm -hmm. about his stuff. And, and then like the game ended up having nothing to do with any of that uh, because it was so it was so much information that it overwhelmed my DM and he ended up not using it. Um, and yeah, so so make make a character with with holes and with room to grow. Um, and what was the last thing? Uh, be willing to be willing to kill your bad ideas. So if if there happens to be a situation in the story where it really makes sense to push your character in another direction, like if that's going to make the story better, don't don't be afraid to to kill your old ideas and and push them in the direction of the story.
In the film business, we call that killing your darlings. Mm-hmm. Yep, kill your darlings. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Jeb did with his daughter. <laughs> oh, no. oh my God. Got him. Well. <laughs> um, well, okay. I, I guess it leaves it to me to kind of tie this all together. Yeah, put a bow on this for um, me. So it's funny because I, I, I think I use a lot of different aspects of what everybody's already brought up. Um, as as Josh knows and as people who are close to me know, um, I'm surely not born out of the fact that I am constantly procrastinating and late. Um, <laughs> I tend to be very heavy on improv. Um, you improv? Never. I know, right? What? Um, and I will say... You're the Cronenberg of good ideas. <laughs> All of them together. I will... Uh, yeah, monstrosity, right? Um... I will say Josh makes this a lot easier as a DM. Um, I don't think this is something that every DM can necessarily do, right? Is that, and it, really any group, like we've done a really good job of yes anding, um, which is like, I think vital um, for a lot of this, for development, character development, all that. Um, but the one thing I start with is I pick a core idea, right? Rogue. Um, I tend to gravitate towards rogues because when I'm trying to spin up something in my head that I can understand, I first started playing this game as a rogue. So it's it's a class I know, um, and especially when it's something I don't want to get too bogged down with, with mechanics, I tend to stick with classes I know so that way I'm not stopping mid-game to be like, um, how does this work again? Um, so that that's just me. Um, but with Fox... I think what I did was I was like, all right, I want I want to have a unique and interesting character, right? I don't want to have the out of your draw strat, right? You know, something that is familiar but different. And so that's where I was like, oh, 100 percent. Once once I introduce changelings into the world, I'm like, okay. I was already formatting what plan to player I was going to be. I was like, rogue changeling, the perfect disguise. Come on. Um, so definitely, definitely a little bit of influence from that. But also, I was like, all right, you need motivation, right? We brought up motivation, something that drives your character. Um, and Wash brought up the fact of like having holes, right? Have your character unfinished. Um, so that way there's something to do. And I definitely talked this over with Josh a little bit. Um, I know we didn't really go into detail, Josh, but I think we talked about like one of the main things he was looking for in his life which was brought up and kind of tied off somewhat. Which Semi-resolved. Was, yeah, semi-resolved, um, which was, you know, his long-lost, you know, childhood friend, um, his parents, right, um, and issues he's had there. And from there, there wasn't really a lot to it. And everything I've built up about Fox, I just pulled straight out of the hat of like, all right, I'm going to pull this like comically edgy kid and put him in this situation. He hates his parents. He, he ran away from home just so he can have a like a more adventurous life. And I think the only real non-comical part about of it was having that humanizing, like he's just looking for his friend as well, right? His long lost friend. Um, and so I kind of just build from there. I just improv the rest. Uh, really building off of you guys. I bounce ideas off of you guys in game. Right. I see what's happening and I see like, okay, this is an interesting way to take Fox. This is a I think like me and Josh, this is spoilers, so I can't really talk about it. 
but when me and Josh were on holiday, um, we we talked about some spicy ideas um, that are definitely the idea of like people who are really attached to their character wouldn't suggest this, but I don't. <laughs> I think it's better for my character to have interesting things happen to him rather than him be safe all the time, right? Mm. I'd rather have him die fulfilling his character rather than live just for my satisfaction. So, um... You would hate to have him live for your satisfaction. I mean, <laughs> living for your so satisfaction bad. is, like, the worst thing. It's just yeah. so blasé. You guys. I was nobody would, nobody would call me on that one. <laughs> I was gonna let it go. I wasn't gonna do it. Um, that's that's another Mattism, alright? I tend to do that I a lot. Were, I hope you were satisfied with our response. <laughs> I was greatly satisfied with it. <laughs> That's, um, that's part of the 31% of his character that's Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess to put all that down in a sentence, um, be quick and easy on it. You know, don't go too hard. Make sure you have the motivations down and consult with your DM. Um, if you consult with your DM, you're going to have a much more fulfilling playtime if you're looking for it, right? If you're looking for that character-driven playtime, consulting with your dms a must because like how else are you gonna have it also figuring out the style of campaign like if it's just gonna be a hack and slash then having this deep and rich story isn't really gonna well yeah if you're gonna have a hack and slash then you just choose a personality right a little character and that's all you need yeah um i i figure if we're we're talking about characters it's because you're struggling to come up with like a character right instead of just papers that will get you through a hack and slash. Yeah. Yeah. A stab block. Right. But yeah, okay. I don't really I didn't did not do a good job of tying that up. Yeah, I was no, waiting for the bow. You never really made the bow, but I respect no, it did. all the same. He he landed the plane good. even if it landed sideways. Like. <laughs> <laughs> he had to he had yeah. to roll the plane, you know, land upside down. Yeah. All hey, in all, I'm satisfied with his response. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> And we hope you are too, viewers. <laughs> Speaking of oh. uh, things that are satisfying or less satisfying, can we talk about the last session? <laughs> I thought the last oh. session was pretty satisfying. I don't know what you're talking how, about. How, how, are, we, how are we feeling about uh, what just happened? Here's the, here's the spoiler warning for you in the chat. We're going to talk about the last session for probably 15, 20 minutes here. So if you don't know what happened, rip you. <laughs> Don't um, listen right now. We'll yeah. pause the, yeah, the pause podcast. Pause the stream. We'll, yeah, we'll pause. We'll pause. Yeah. We'll wait for we'll, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we'll yeah. wait for you to message us, and we'll just we'll just stand here silently staring at the screen. And, and depending upon where you started it in the podcast, let's just like wait seventy six yeah. consecutive hours for them to listen to everything and catch up. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, so they can start from the beginning. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Like, if they're if they just started. Yeah. You know, we want to give you. Guys yeah, we want to make sure we're really like open. Has there been seventy six episodes? I think there's been. Oh no! There's been way more than that. No, I don't think there's been way the more than already. that. But I think there is really? more than is that. It? I don't know. Hang on. That's insane. Was, All right, you go start listening. We'll figure out how much nostril. time we've podcasted for, and yeah. we'll, we'll just continue after we finish discussing. Yeah, you guys talk about the episode. I'll find out how many episodes okay. there are. Um, Dude. So this is the end of your spoiler warning. If you're still here, yeah, get wrecked. Get out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
you're still here, get wrecked. <laughs> um, dude, he really did hang hang her. That was yeah. crazy. Oof. Yo, I was uh, not very, expecting that. Very nonchalantly as well. Like as in like, to, it's happened before. I have Wasn't to say that, that the unyielding king, I Josh has done a fan thinking tastic job of building yes. up this king to be like a force to be reckoned with yeah. not only just like the imagery of like his regalness and like the amount of wealth in the kingdom but like the amount of respect that he commands the uh, and like kingly every presence. single facet K kingly that trevor that's the best way to express it kingly presence and then at the end you're like and he and, and people find out because he doesn't do the thing you know like he uh <laughs> he certainly doesn't mince words <laughs> that's right thank you jake for getting my uh my, yeah. my lack of lack of english words um yeah like but i don't know like i have i have a king in my home campaign and granted he's like a dethroned exiled king that the party's kind of working with but just the uh, like, I don't know, some something about maybe it's the word pictures or just like all of the encounters or or the tension at the dining room table or, oh, or yeah. what. But uh, but very much so a kingly presence. And even though there there wasn't like, I don't think a ton of of like he holds himself like this, you know, like exposition about him and itself. But uh, in my in my mind built a fantastically regal picture yes um and i agree. yeah like wow that was that was that was an experience i i yeah. will say um the add on that 100 like i agree um he was definitely in my mind a force to be reckoned with and i think in a lot of fantasy settings it can be hard to convey that I don't know what you did, Josh. Um, and I, I want to say it was purely just through how you had him react, right? And act, how reserved he was, but also at the same time, direct, right? Um, where he's just like, I don't have time to carry on, right? I got, I got responsibilities, you know, but I also am very on my word. Like my word carries the weight of a nation. And he, yeah. you, you definitely got that feeling. My, my theory, and I guess Josh, maybe you can leave this to mystery or not. You don't have to. But Ooh. my theory is that a lot of the intensity that I felt from from the king was in what he didn't say, and like the things that were not described about him. Um, like the, there, there wasn't too incredibly much envelop, like embellishment. But the things that you did embellish on were were very to the point. It felt very organic. Yeah. One oh, yeah. Of, one of, I think, maybe the best critiques I've ever gotten on my gameplay came from my wife, fittingly. Um, <laughs> at the end of season one, she, uh, she was telling me some of the different stuff that she did and didn't like about like the listening experience because, you know, she hadn't really listened to a D&D podcast before. And one of the things she said was that a lot of your characters have... Um, really unique like motivations and stuff but they all have the same speech patterns like the, the mm. patterns mm. of speech even if their voice is different the patterns of speech are the same and so that's like what I've been really focusing on lately is trying to have unique patterns of speech 
And I, the reason I was thinking of this is because um, one of you, I don't remember if it was Washer Matt, but one of you pointed out that there were, there were like things he didn't react to or like ways he didn't do things that you expected him to. And that might have been me sitting there trying to figure out how to put the words in a different pattern of speech. <laughs> but uh, what... Um, but oh, whatever it was, I'm glad it was king. <laughs> yeah. um, I I am glad that you guys pictured him as regal, though. That was something I really wanted to pull off, and I was I was kind of daunted by it because, like, like Wash said, like it can be hard to make a king feel like a big deal in a game where, like, you are literally a walking cannon of magical, you know, craziness. Right. So. Oh. You know, like I said, I think a lot of it is like the stuff that wasn't said. You know, we spent a lot of time in our rooms or like in our hearing about the king or whatever. Mm. Um, Something that I was going to say was I think something that played into the characterization of the king um, and was like well done in the way that you like described him was I think a lot of the things was showing and not telling like we learned about the king by his actions and like the way he carried himself more than the things he said which i think through the made a lot of sense too. yeah and through the people around him as well um and so that worked really well especially as someone where like he is like he's not necessarily a man of few words but like he he will only speak when it like 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 kind of like watch that his words are carrying a lot of weight um and so I think that worked really well for it as well, which is like a thing that um, in the inverse, like if it was a king where like you can tell he's trying too hard or like, you know, he's trying to give off airs of being this regal person, but he's we not have really. that false king. Probably, exactly. Like the false king where he he talks very wordily and he talks like this. And he's like, well, yes, you see, I've you know, like he just like is on and on and on. He's just like talking way too much. Like, I think that worked well for this character. Um, yeah, and also it helped that like the the surroundings and like the description of the town. I'm so glad that we did um, that. You know, Dawn of Worlds kind of in depth world building before because my the- my guess would be like in creating these towns, having those sort of backstories, like basic ideas of what they are and the gods that created them and the people that live there. Um, that my guess is that's what's probably enabled. Also, Josh is just good at it, but that's probably what it, what has enabled Josh to go so in depth in the way that these cities are constructed and their history. And you know, because every time we go somewhere new, it really does feel like it's like we're stepping into this like place that has existed for a long time and so has this whole backstory. So I can tell you, um, Josh, can I can I pull back the curtain real quick a little bit on specifically Ooh. on Udril? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Pull it back. Um, so Uh-oh. it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I remember specifically he's just like we went like I said we went on holiday and he was just like all right Matt I need some help and I, I can't I can't tell you details but like can you can you just throw some animals my way can you just <laughs> and 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 that's how we started I like oh I see these are the clans and he's uh. just like yeah these are gonna be the, like the clans and. <laughs> but Josh is very creative with the way he does it. He can take like a small idea and build upon it a foundation mm. and then an entire castle of detail, right? Like all I got out of that conversation with him helping him was like, oh, they're kind of based off animals. And he turned that into like deep lore and, you know, politics and how they relate to each other and an entire dynasty. So, I mean, I, I just said, you know, 
I don't know, boar. I was really determined to not use the Chinese Zodiac. So I was like, Matt, give me six of them and I'll pick the other six. And that way I'll know that they're not, they can't possibly all be the Zodiac. I mean, there's a very small percentage they could be, but. Well, I, um, but I know it won't be the full one because yeah, yeah. I've done half of them and he's done half yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, so um, I, Oh, go ahead, Trevor. I keep cutting you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. I was going to say, I can't tell you how valuable of an experience doing the Dawn of Worlds was for, mm-hmm. like, just feeling invested and connected to the campaign. Yeah. Oftentimes, it's like, you know, you're, you're play, thrown into this world and your character obviously has, has experienced things but you haven't really been given all of the information and it's like impossible for a DM to give you all the information you would need to know. Like that's just unreasonably unreasonable as an expectation, but you often find yourself like, does my character know this thing about the history of this place or this world? And so then it usually either the DM will give it to you or it becomes a role. And so you have no idea if how reasonable uh, uh, information is for your character to know. And one thing that's been cool about this campaign is that it's been almost the opposite where you guys have caught on a onto a world building detail and been like, hey, Josh, would my character have learned about this world building detail that I wasn't thinking about? And so then I have to like reverse backstory <laughs> like, OK, well, let's see where Jib's been. Has he heard about, you know, <laughs> um, do you have any examples of that? Oh, gosh, like any not, notable ones that like popped out. Not right off the top of my head. I don't. So I wanted the transition. I thought this would be a smooth transition from complimenting the DM and talking about the king uh, to circle back. We're to now the instating Josh is our king. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh is king. A smooth transition. Um, I will say um, I really loved that episode. The pacing was like top tier, in my opinion. Um, you chose perfect break points as if though it was scripted. <laughs> and I'm sure there's going to be like some person out there is like, that's because it was conspiracy confirmed. Matt yeah. confirms because we do pre-record these and yeah. we did script them out. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, Exposed. <laughs> I wrote but this no. episode. That's why there's like the meta aspect that's going that's into right. it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know how many of people are going to recognize the sarcasms, but. But really, Trevor <laughs> um, wrote it and that's why he blamed it on me. <laughs> Uh, Let Matt talk. It's getting deeper. It's getting deeper. <laughs> Matt's um, being excited about an episode. <laughs> I, I was just saying that um, the pacing was really well done and unexpected because I don't know how you managed to... You, like, obviously the party was split, but you somehow found the perfect story beats to switch from, like, these very tense moments to back to, like, these very, like... Like they had their own tension. Both had their own tension. And as our tension is rising in both scenarios, it's like cutting back and forth. And it like we, we almost hit like that kind of climax together as we both come together. And I will say, I was not expecting it to resolve quickly, right? I was expecting it to be like, oh God, how do we convince the king? Is this gonna go to court? Are we gonna have to like, you know, risk our reputation? And then the king was just like, Oh yeah, no. This is this is proof. Yeah, no. Get the rope. <laughs> I was like, wow, no time wasted. I was like, wow. And that also added to the king's like seriousness and re- like nobody would stop him. Right? He's just like, this person will die today, right now, right here. And it's like, and they're like, okay. 
let's make it legal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when you, when you're like a king, king, you don't have to wait for anybody else's approval. Yeah, I was like, wow. I was like, uh, I was also like really surprised um, that we managed to convince them because that was my biggest fear. My biggest fear was that like this p potential ally is going to turn on us either out of mistrust or he's already been gotten to. I mean, he was gotten to before us. I had 100% faith in us. There was, was... I mean, it, it's never not worked. The the rarest complication on the complication table was the king is actually under the control of an Aboleth, but it never got rolled. But it was Oof. the rarest complication on my table. It was, it was a possibility. Oh That's my goodness. I really enjoyed doing the side-by-side -side story like that. Because that I really don't like when the party is split and you have to just sit there and watch someone else play for like an hour and I've had that yep. experience as a player and I've run that experience as a DM mm -hmm. and so I was like how can I not do this because it's no fun like for the players I mean you guys do the shoulder angels bit so it's a little bit fun but it's still not <laughs> as as fun as it would be to like okay but my character wants to do a thing and I'm excited about it and like the DM isn't putting any thought into that that story um, and so right. I, I, I it was a little bit experimental as far as like what we actually did but I, I also felt like it worked really well like it felt really fun the whole time I, I will Definitely. say we've done split parties before. This was like the first time it yeah. felt like really smooth. I agree. I'm not saying we've ever done a bad job with it, but it can just be hard to like carry the momentum. Yeah, I agree entirely. But the way they paralleled each other was, I think, what helped it. When I was when I was going back through and editing that one, there are so many times where it's like. Josh cuts from one to the other because I, I was marking, I was putting markers in there like, okay, so we cut to this far and then we cut back. Every time that it was you guys in the labyrinth and it cuts back, Matt's like, <laughs> like you could just feel him like tense up. And then I want to, but he's like, but and then we move on. You're like, oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, and I was doing that every time. I was like, oh, yeah. it's such a good moment, though. <laughs> it's like I'm leading you to the cliff, and then I do that thing where I, like, shake your shoulders a little bit, and you're like... <gasps> yeah, right. <laughs> has, has, has Josh done that to, to you in real life, Matt? Wait, let me think. Taking you to a cliff and shooking your shoulders? I don't, I don't yeah, think the castle when you're preparing to He's taken me to a cliff. Yeah, but I fell off it, not Matt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, he went I, the, the, he it rolled in that hyper... one on his shake mat check. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a hyper specific example, so I wasn't I wasn't sure. Oh, uh, what? No, never. What? Uh, but yeah, I also really liked that as like a wrap up to the previous episode as well, because in kind of in in pretty stark contrast, the previous episode was a very slow paced episode with a lot of great character beats. Um, including ones that were like completely improvised on on the part of Matt, which I thought was like super fun. Matt and, like, and Wash nailed the role play in that previous yeah. session. Like, what a dynamic between the two of them. Yeah, that that felt really. I, I always, and I don't know if I've described this on stream, but off stream, I always describe our D and D campaign as the most cinematic D and D campaign I've ever played, and I think it's partially because of really good role play on the parts of the players and partially because of really good DMing on the parts of Josh as well, where like I think those two episodes like contrast each other perfectly 
where like the first episode in that two part kind of thing was like highlighted really good role play and therefore like felt very cinematic in the sense of wow look at this like really good character moment that's like a great episode right before this like really fast paced intense like really tight really like going 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 and like every beat you're just like oh what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next like that's the next episode and I think those two episodes in a way both highlighted the two things that I really have been enjoying about our D&D campaign if that makes sense it, it definitely lined up to be the calm before the storm and yeah. then the climax for sure I have appreciated the past two episodes that we've been in Udril, how they how they have kind of turned into the culmination. I feel, I feel like the forces of good are about to get bigger, like 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 this. It's, it's going to start sweeping the country and that and that has like a really epic feeling to it that yeah. this is now bigger than us. This is now just like like bigger than our little party trying to, you know, be do-gooders and not so do-batters um and that that the kingdom and and the king and then the story itself feeling a bit more open has kind of made it feel grandiose yeah i guess and it, it like uh, legitimizes really our, like our quest sort of yeah yeah, yeah. with like and, like we we, we rescued garlel which was a huge moment for us but that was sort of on the DL in terms of the world. Yeah. And so we don't really get the recognition for that. We just know it happens and it was an important thing. It's an important part of our quest, like not to take it away, but it didn't feel like that. It had much impact yet. Like it obviously will once once we get everything together. But this you kind of feel the impact of it. You know, it, it like we have this align ourselves with this king this king has like given us his word which we know he'll keep barring any really really extremuating circumstances it um it felt more like one small step for an orc and not one giant leap for or kind for a kind yeah <laughs> for kind <laughs> um but that giant leap came through on yeah. these last two episodes of like Okay, yeah, that's right. Our 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 plighter quest is saving the world, and people are actually invested in saving the world besides us. Yeah, mm -hmm. someone believes us. So, so what do you think <laughs> comes next? Like, what what do you predict is happening because as a result of of you know sort of this alliance with Udril and the the death of Alex Greenvale? Like, what are the ramifications of your actions? Mm. Um, well, Alex Greenfield can't spread um, rumors about us, so that's a, that's always a plus. I say I think our PR in one half of the world can get a lot better. <laughs> Good. I, I will say Alex Greenville, uh, I think she actually had some. Didn't she have like some responsibilities back in Tumbleweb? Like, I don't think she was a nobody. I don't think she no. was important. But she important. was, but she was executed by the order of the king of Udral. Like that's a bit yeah. different than like us murdering her. Like it's like if we would have just like took out Alex Greenvale, then I think we would still have some PR problems. But because it was like, hey, she went to Udral to be like an advisor to the king or whatever, and then it was like the king was like, oh, you're treason. Terrible. Yeah, you're actually <laughs> terrible, and you committed treason. Okay, like time to hang you. But that's like, also the problem. You get what I'm saying, like international diplomacy wise 
I guess, I, Josh, maybe you know this more than I. What's Tumbleweb's relationship to Udril, diplomacy-wise? Um, so Udril has ambassadors from most of the other developed cities, city-states, and nations in the world. That's what they have a whole embassy district just north of the castle. So there is a relationship with Tumbleweb. However, right now, if you'll recall, uh, world events-wise, the king has an army um, of of westerners basically at his doorstep so he's probably not super bothered with like keeping good relations with any nations to his west um but also um this is i don't i don't know that this is a huge deal in terms of whether it matters i like i don't think i'm giving away some big detail but alex greenvale was not from tumbleweb alex greenvale was a fraud the whole time like, the first oh, time oh, she wow. showed up, she was dressed as a sheriff of Tumbleweb, but didn't yeah, quite understand the language. The second time she dressed up, she was dressed as an official court, um, like, member of the king's court, and, and was there as a countess. Um, one of the ways you could have exposed her was to find out that her holdings were completely made up. Um, she was gotcha. not a countess. Um, so oh. it, it was basically like she was working on behalf of the Order of the Broken Scepter in whatever capacity was necessary. She was not actually mm. like... For some reason, I guess I, and by extension, Alan, just totally was just like, ah, somehow she's both. <laughs> like, somehow she's... Uh, it just uh, means she yeah. had a good cover story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The story was I very mean, believable. Yeah, so I knew that she... Yeah, I don't know. I knew she like fudged it, right? I just didn't realize like she fudged it all. Like I thought maybe she was just yeah. like like a spy and yeah. she's kind of like double agenting a little bit. But no, she's just like I'm just a guy or a woman or a person. I'm just going to I'm just a count now. I'm just a sheriff now. I So It's me. <laughs> it's yeah, a me. Great. Great man. <laughs> I, th I think one one ramification that I have certainly been considering as I try and figure out what happens next is now that you have officially killed a member of the Order of the Broken Scepter, that ramps up the type of opposition that will be sent your your way. Like, this is a yeah. different class of people who are upset at you versus like... Interesting. So breaking you know, into their base isn't as bad as killing one of them? I guess that does make sense. Well, and that well, wasn't... Well, and official too. Yeah. Like yeah. she was, you know, upper middle management. We were a fluke, maybe, right? We were like the rambunctious group of four, and they're just like, all right, we just yeah. gotta keep them out of our hair. Now that we've like released Garlisle, uh, killed Disrupted one of their, their own, plans. and got an entire kingdom against, against them, them, yeah. Like, okay, these people are now like probably pretty high on their hit list. Which we have put ourselves even more on the map to be hunted. Alan was so totally not paying attention to this because he really felt like it was not working towards their goal whatsoever. Um, and that's kind of the guy he is. He, uh, he it's how the guy he's becoming, I think. I think post killing his best friend, he's becoming a lot more no nonsense. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> at least As that's, you do. The that's the character arc I'm starting to see. That's an interesting thing about role playing is like sometimes you like a character's arc starts happening and then you recognize it. Anyway, yeah. uh, so. Do we know what nations are at his doorstep? Like what he's about to go, who he's about to go to war with? I'm sure it was mentioned, but like I said, Alan was so not in that headspace and totally in the how do we how do we figure out Alex Greenvale it, and this whole thing. It came up in the um, was it aspect like in the the gossip that you were hearing while you were in Udril. So Aspesh mm. is the, I'm, let me find the map and put it on screen here for at least the people on stream. I know I'm not streaming the map to you guys. Rip you. 
Um, but I'll, I'll put I'll the map up there. I'll see it like five for, seconds later. You can also yeah, see it on our wiki, wiki if you use exclamation mark wiki in the chat. Um, but for those of us who don't need that. Okay, so this is the map of Udril. And you can see... Oh, oh did it... Links are blocked. Streamlabs, oh the camp post, and the link. Well, that's a rip. Um, anyway, so you can see Udril here at the center of the map. And then as we look to the west, there is um, Hishala, which is this nation that's like... Ah. It's the next nation up there in the north. It is a primarily tiefling nation. And Hishala is the army that is at their borders. However, the Hishalans have made an alliance with the nation of Aspesh. So that's to the south of Udril, um, which is gotcha. where, like, and that's a, a corrupt nation, but it's still, that was like during world building. One of you guys corrupted it, actually. But the Aspesh is nope. corrupt and Never. has allied with the Hishalans. And so he's kind of surrounded to the south and the west. And then you didn't hear this gossip, but it was available to hear. The Hishalans have taken the whole con the whole western edge of the continent, the whole way down to the um, like Stonefield and that and that wooded area. So they've Dang. actually moved as far south as like the commune where Matt and Trevor's characters oh, really? originally oh. met, um, which was some some gossip to find that I was probably going to give you guys before you left because one of the utilities for me of putting you somewhere with a bunch of diplomats was to update you on the state of the world because it's been mm. like a whole year now since like in game time it's been like a whole year since our adventure started maybe and even a little bit time. longer so Wait, does that mean time. tumbleweb too yeah so tumbleweb is either occupied or involved we don't we haven't okay. been there we don't know which of those Ooh. things is true but Tumbleweb and also have been happening. and also technically the domain of Thraxenhow there is is at risk as well. Although uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to march an army up an ice mountain tended by an ice dragon, but like that's not that's not an easy feat. Um, I think yeah. it's just one of those things you say you claimed it and just, <laughs> just move, <laughs> on. move on. Yeah, some yeah. general you know, sitting at the foot of the it, mountain. So yeah, he, he puts the flag in the snow ours. at the base of the mountain and goes, "This counts." <laughs> <laughs> move on. Um, and like as long as no no one can really contest it unless the uh, Thraxenhow decides to come out and then then it becomes it. a domestic issue. Uh, <laughs> say that and that that's something that you'd be surprised how many people who claim to have conquered parts of the world have done. <laughs> Alexander the Great did that more than a few times. Ah, uh, yeah. All right, we got this one. Let's move on. So I. Um, I just moved the map over so you can now see the east because that's where we're headed next. Um, yep. the, just so we get an idea geographically of where we're going. The next thing we're doing is heading over to the Umbral Sea. The Umbral Sea is the like water area in the middle of that desert. So you can see it on the right edge of the map right now. It is just east of the fallen ALF tower where you rescued Garlow. And we believe the Umbral Sea is the imprisonment of another avatar. Though I don't think you guys have any indication as to which, so I won't say who. Um, but you believe another avatar is trapped there. And from there, I think you're heading south to Gaim. But anyway, so that's that's the the world and the world events as as those things go. And I do think that like you know, as long as that army is not checked, like that is an ongoing world event that will have implications for everything else. You know, supply gets tighter, people get yeah. more paranoid about strangers or foreigners. Um, some of you look Western, and so that is a potential issue when you get somewhere and they know that there's racism. A, a bunch of Western. <laughs> well, not it's not racism; it's fear of an army. Um, I'm just, I'm but, just making jokes. Cause hey, man. <laughs> He's just making yeah. jokes. We can take a path that takes us through hometown before 
Can we? Uh, when ex where exactly? Well, that's the opposite direction. Yeah, to go to your Is hometown, it? you would have to go like south and east. So yeah. your hometown, if you look straight down from where the Kingdom of Udril is labeled, if you go due south until you hit that body of water, your hometown is in that tiny little area of oh, green I've, next I've, sorry, to that I've, body of water. I mixed up mm. where it was. And the place you originally met is at the bend in that river, where the okay. river and the forest meet. That's right. under there I, is I the first dirt tunnel where you, where you met. Okay, my bad. I mixed up where our hometown was on the map. Never mind. Good old, good old Zoth doesn't even know geography. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, we were underground for most of it. So Zoth's, can, like, yeah. can you us? Zoth's like, I can only find my way home when I'm high. <laughs> <laughs> geography is a vibe. Yeah. I will say <laughs> I'm really... Vibe. Or Zoth's vibe. It hasn't been mentioned at all, but I'm really excited to see what, what Kelnor has been up to this entire time. Mm. I know. You know? I know what Kelnor has been up to. This is not a detail that's waiting to be improved at the table. I have that answer, but oh, I'm not I giving bet. it to oh, you. Wait, <laughs> Matt, so are you talking about Kelnor or K? Kelnor. Oh, okay. Um, K but is also, well. I say K, yeah. K is up in the ship. Somewhere. We don't Yo, know where. Wait, does that mean K is maybe the one avatar that didn't get imprisoned? That's like been my thought. That's a super interesting idea. Like, K is like the one free agent, but he's stuck on the ship. We did establish Bro, on the and ship. And then the is Fire still Nation flying. attacked. This is yeah. connected the dots. <laughs> Only K, the master of all four vibes. Can interesting save us. to think about the implications of an avatar who was not imprisoned and therefore has their entire reserve of divine <laughs> magic available to them. Yeah. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That maybe should be a mission that we uh, try to accomplish at some point. What do you point. think we're doing here? <laughs> well, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I, I think we just kind of wrote him off and I, I, I probably am going to need to continue doing so in character, but yeah. Like oh, uh, <laughs> well, your well, rationale originally was that the other ones are at risk of dying. So I think yeah, that yeah. still probably indicates some precedent. We should still we should still round them up before we try to combine the parts of the rod. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good idea. Also, so, there are still like four segments of the rod out there. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to um, working with Elaine and making a airship mod for the cipher truck once we get to No Stone. Mm. Get it to fly. Yeah, because the because like those airships, they they run off of a lighter than air wood. Like it's not magical. It's it's a property of the wood. Yeah, that's why, that's why the up. airship is still flying. Yeah. yeah. And if yep. we could if we could like like that happened in no stone. So if we could like do a conversion kit on the cypher truck, that'd help us move around a or, lot faster. Could you imagine just, the getaways? <laughs> or we what just did you have say, we have cipher trucks made out of that wood so like they're their own airships so we have the ground version and the air version mm. you could have a fleet yes i i'm i'm just saying you're I mean, running it's, down it's the road by. and you you go up a hill and they're about to catch up onto you but you don't go down the hill you just keep going up and you're just like I'm just going up. <laughs> i mean if if the if the truck is heavy enough to keep it down but then you enable Featherfall to reduce the weight of the cipher truck, then that would like engage the the flying as almost like a ballast thing. Or like, add a, like an air submarine. 
I can also imagine like Fox is like some sort of like dangerous heist is happening on top of this tower. He's like cornered by guards. He needs to leave with the with with the goods, and then he just like Assassin's Creed falls off the off the, the <laughs> tower, but lands in the in the airship. Like that's that'd be awesome. But he t poses first. He t poses yeah. and leans yeah. back. One hundred percent like goodbye and yep. just fall backwards. <laughs> Right into the airship would be great. Yep. And you have the classic moments they're like scrambling and they grab the, the wall and they look I mean, over and I'm like yep. Chat asks, where it's... would the airship be located? Did it stop moving? Did wind currents carry it away? I think that's in reference to Kay's airship, and the yeah, answer right. is they don't know. Like the party don't know, so I'm I'm not gonna talk about it. I think you should, I mean, Josh. I would imagine that perhaps like that makes me wonder, is it self-inflicted? Like the idea of being disappeared, or Absolutely. he's just partying. Oh, if I re if I recall during our world building session, because um, I have a few choice memories from it. Few when we memories. when we yeah, uh, there's a few choice memories. Like I'll go back and read the document. And I, I I have no idea what this is. I don't remember. <laughs> but there's some like I remember when we talked about the darkening happen. We talked about Kay's ship and how it would almost just be constantly adrift on the breeze mm -hmm. and like not really have any way of controlling it. Yeah. That, and that I it would just be like, too. you know, circling I, the circling the globe. So maybe if too. we could find a map of air currents and weather patterns and we could find like previous because because he used to do the party thing like he would stop in certain places like if we could figure out the places that he stopped and then analyze the air currents that move across those we could like at least set up like a station maybe like an outpost a four guys outpost and have them watch to see like every storm or like odd wind pattern because I there are things we're already going to set up televibing with the weather channel, and that's going to keep track of all of this stuff, and then we can coordinate oh, okay. it to like. This is after televibing is invented. That's right. That's right. We're right around the corner, don't you know? It's we right gotta there. Get it patented. You got to get in while it's hot. Get it on the ground level. Chat K's airship was not the only airship, but the civilization that invented the airships was commanded by their god to delve into the underdark and abandoned their ships behind them. So those ships have either been scuttled, destroyed, rotted, or have gone airborne on their own because the wood is naturally buoyant. So there could be some like satellite clutter up there. I love the idea of just wood like floating somewhere, like just a giant sphere of a wood around cloud. the planet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that'd be a really interesting idea of like setting up an outpost to try to look for it. I also think it'd be interesting to try to do some like investigation of like, has anyone seen it? Like, are these are like, there places where there's like legends of like, no, yeah, we still see it every X amount of months. Like it's just up in the like sky. Astronomers, and, yeah, would, like watch of, stars or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that kind of thing. I think that'd we be find really a new order, the order of the airship watchers. <laughs> If only yeah. there were a civilization whose whole thing had been that they were cartographers and who nope. innately understood the mechanics of flying. If only yeah. there were some yeah. civilization. What a, what a strange concept, Josh. Yeah. Shame. I mean, where you'd get Shame that thing. doesn't exist. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> we should invent it. <laughs> well, invent I'll tell you what, if we do encounter such a person, the first thing that we'll ask 
is about this. You know, uh, yeah. like let's let's not neglect to ask when we it's do find like, this person. Yeah, it's almost like you've already encountered that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, yeah. of course we haven't though. That doesn't make we sense at all. Why would we have encountered yeah, we have, yeah, we would we totally ask. them? Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. Um, um, what do you think are the effects on, um, like the the effects on your quest specifically? of allying with a king. Like what changes about the work of Four Guys Ventures and Vibes because you now are allied with Udril? Mm. Um, I, I think it expands our operation and it allows us to create connections we wouldn't otherwise have. Um, I think, at least for Zoth specifically, he feels more empowered that what he's doing is is correct and that it obviously saving the world is, is correct, but it, on the, it, it feels um, accomplishable. It feels like we're making progress. It's like just a big stepping stone. Legitimized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the business side of it, I actually think we should open an Udral branch. I think that Definitely. makes a ton of sense, oh, yeah. um, especially because it's like we are like are like the the royally sponsored dungeon delving business of like you know like the, the official yeah. dungeon delving business of the Udral royalty or whatever the heck. Yeah. Um, Lupus. Uh, we should sponsor a local Minecraft race. Yeah. There you go. Race. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Th- that'd be full th- circle. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So those sorts of things I think would really help us out, um, like business-wise. But I also Ooh. think like, and you know, we discussed this going into this, like having the ally of the king and then also the nation of Udral. When it gets into like the end game of this plan, when it's like time to combine the rods and go to war, basically, like that'll be huge. Like having having like an ally of, of an entire nation will be great. That was one of the things hey, I was really excited about at the end of that session. I just had this picture in my mind of some vague, unformed future session where you guys are trying to like do the end game. And then you, you know, you enter into the war and there's just like, there's Clan Lupus with their dire wolves riding into yeah. battle next to you, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, I think Remember that, when I we were considering great. stealing the rod from the king? Yeah. <laughs> remember that? I'm glad we didn't. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I'll admit, uh, going into that, I was already thinking like, we have to find a way to get the king on our side. Because like, it can... It, what we were doing right up until that point was not sustainable right killing stealing our way (laughs) to get our our information and our rods um was not the way to do it it was very Um, much like a a sokovia accords moment for all of you as you like figured out your approach in in udril it, it kind of reminded me of uh, Mass Effect, if anybody's played that. Um, last game, you it, it goes from this, like, you're just a commander with a small platoon, and you're going on a rogue mission to prove a point until the last game, you're like, you're finding entire nations that will back you up on the final endgame battle, and your actions will decide whether or not you get that support. Um, it, it really felt like up until this last, like this most recent little arc, we were like that that song that's like the lie, cheat, steal, kill, <laughs> win. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. Like that's like that was us. And then I think we really, yeah, we it was not sustainable. So I'm, I'm glad. I feel that like we we're growing up. Turn that around. Yeah. Yeah. As, as like a party and as characters, we're like absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Chat says, now you're backed up by the government so you can kill with impunity. Yeah, <laughs> got him. I, I will say, 
I, I relate a little bit to this personally. Um, growing up as uh, as an only child with a single mother, right? Um, when you're thrusted into a situation with a lot of responsibility, um, when you're not ready for it, prepared, you just naturally start standing up to it, you know? And I feel like as a party, that's what we're slowly doing. We're standing up to the responsibility of like, our actions have weight now. And and we're realizing that more as we go forward, it's like, okay, we really have to think about this because like, it's no longer like, oh, can we get the objective real quick? It's more like, we need a reputation. We need long standing, you know, goals. Yeah. So, so let's, cool. let's zoom in on your characters now for, for a second here. Um, what, what do you guys want to accomplish in your time remaining in Udril? Um, let's, and just kind of like bullet point the list of goals and then we'll figure out which ones need to actually be gameplay in the next session and which ones we can just resolve here and be like, this is what happens and kind of move on. We want to set up an Udral branch and whether that means just hiring someone here to run it or having Yeah send someone, um, but obviously communicating with Yeah that we're doing this so he knows and can sort of add it on the, the books. Uh-huh. I think having the Udral branch will also be nice f- for us to keep up to date with the happenings here with like the war yeah. <laughs> and stuff too. What were you going to say, Josh? I was just going to ask if I can yes and your guys' idea to establish a four guys branch. I feel Absolutely. like if you mention this to yeah, yeah, we'll be like, we have this really motivated intern that <laughs> I feel like would be ideal <laughs> For oh, putting he's in a place in Udril. He is. That's yeah. I feel like Ronald Ro- maybe is the ideal um, branch manager. Yeah, like branch manager. <laughs> That's great. I love it. He would definitely have like the go-getter attitude to not say no and jump at the opportunity. Yeah. Yes. But still as an in intern. The, still, still, he's the a, eye he's branch a, manager. He's branch manager, but he's still an assistant. <laughs> he's he's, a assistant, manager. he's yeah. assistant to the manager. Yeah, <laughs> branch manager is actually undercovered by other duties as assigned on his <laughs> job description. <laughs> Have you listened to those yet, Josh? No, not yet. Okay. Um. So okay, so we want to establish an Udral branch of four guys. What else do we want to do? Hmm. Um, Zoth wants to heal somebody. Yes. Uh, heal the the doctor's daughter yes that is true man i'm torn i'm thinking about what would fox would want to do and i'm realizing fox would just like can i just stop for a moment sure and rest but at the same time like we just can't take a bath well you you know what i mean right that's a good thing take a bath Okay. <laughs> I mean, if I mean, you could press the digitate it as throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, sometimes it's nice to have a good old soap. Hey, we've Let been on the road a long time. Relax. We haven't had like a, a good relaxation spa day, well, and we probably won't get it for a while. Day. I'm just saying, like, now that we've got somebody with like power and influence on our side, Fox definitely feels like, can I just forget about our problems for a second and just, can I just go down to the market? And, and hang out and you know and just... you know it honestly might be fun to have like us like the the anime spa episode a beach day. where we, <laughs> the where, beach we day episode. where we goof around in, in in a hot springs and just kind of like like connect with each other 
like Absolutely. story like I'm like, on board with person this plan. to person to person and be you know just like hey you know a lot of stuff's gone down thing oh you know like how, how are we doing yeah I think I, uh sorry go ahead Josh I was just gonna say I actually had considered as we travel across the you know to the umbral sea there's the northern wilds which you've already experienced once and you'll have to go through again but oh, no. on the other side of those like there it would be really easy for us to put an oasis in there and you guys could have an actual beach episode like i considered mm-hmm. that idea so if fun. we if we want that we can do it i just don't know if like the urgency that you guys are traveling with i don't know if it would make sense for your characters to stop there but if we want to well, play a beach episode i think i'm down like so here's just the thing the reason- one of our two days doing it I was thinking of a spa episode because we have like two days where we're in a safe kingdom that is protected. It's probably the first time in a long time that we're going to be able to let our guard down. And so it would make sense to do it, you know, while we're here as opposed to out on the road. Also, in the anime, uh, the spa episode is always like right before the finale. So <laughs> that's true. Like, We're just not near a finale. No, 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 I know, but I mean, like the like what your urgency comment. Like, yeah, I still think that it can like fair. it can still find its time to be there. Um, also, I think Owlin, uh will during these like two days of rest in Udral. He's or, or not Udral. Um, yeah, Udral. Am I brain yeah, broken? Udral. Yeah, okay, you're yeah. in Udril. You're just also at the Royal Holdings. Yeah, okay. Udril. Sorry. Uh, I just like suddenly my brain was like, that's not where you are. But <laughs> um, so uh, I think during that time, Alan will try to take some time to get back into his artificing and tinkering and A, I think purchase some more supplies for that and B, try to get over this like roadblock that he's been having um, since since you know the incident maybe <laughs> we can, already knows about maybe oh. we can... sorry I mean, Jim go didn't want to talk to him about it <laughs> no go Matt. Yeah, we just haven't no. had a chance what you um, got Matt? okay okay this is the perfect episode right this is a relaxed moment right oh i'm it's ready here we each go going our separate ways in the morning right it's the um, tales of bossing say oh my episode. god sorry go ahead yes it's exactly like that except we all culminate like towards the end, we all meet up at the spa at the high, you know, and like get a chance to decompress and maybe even talk about our day or perhaps like do like a, hey, I met you halfway through the day, uh, kind of like little. But yeah, yeah, just that like nice, wholesome moment of. Yeah, Jeb's going to have the Uncle Iroh moment. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you wish that upon him? Wash went no. from excited I'm... to like emotional in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, listeners, yeah. you can't see the camera, but well, he was like so excited and grinning, and he went to hand I on his a... heart. Like, <laughs> well, I had a really good idea. Your mic cut out. Well, Mike, <laughs> you said you had a really good idea, and we didn't get to hear what your really good idea was. To? Yeah, we got yeah, it. Yeah, good. No. Okay. I, I like. I was gonna say if if Jeb had like a, a morning to himself in the city. He would probably like, I was like, what if he gets scale and sons to track down Holly and Ooh, give her a his letter? Wife? Yeah, that's cool. And then you were like, bossing say and I like, oh, I mean, like the little, you know, sorry. No, but I, I was like, well, then, you know, yeah, he's he's sitting up on, on the hill, sipping some tea, singing a song about his daughter, um, which <laughs> tipped me in the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> 
whatever mm. you want to do. I just like, Jake put the the bossing say episode in my head, yeah. and that's that's what I that's what came to mind. Yeah. No, that that fits. <laughs> I, I definitely feel like it's the perfect like chill time right now. This is like we have two days. Yeah. It's like a forced I, rest. We're waiting yeah. on the cycle of the moon. So we might as well enjoy it. Right? Or try. Yeah. Or the things or try to unpack the, trauma during it. Yeah. The, yeah. the things that I had planned for Jeb was I wanted to do the four guys, uh, like try to register the place. But Jake had already mentioned that. And then healing the doctor's daughter, which, you know, Zoth is already doing. Zoth um, can cast sending four times a day if he uses his fourth level spell. Otherwise, it's three third level slots so he could communicate with yeah three times in a day three just to four to, times in a day just to put a bug in your ear josh um yep. if nope, you want to like scribble to say this it bit. too um, I, I think i was about to say what you're saying oh probably not because this okay. is a little obscure okay um but once jeb gets his uh once once he gets his book back he obviously wants to start transcribing a backup um but I think he wants to start delving into more time magic. Okay. And more of the magic of, like, the flow of time. Essentially Dunamancy. Okay. Because um, that's kind of like, you know, he's a chronology wizard, but he yeah. hasn't really, like, leaned into that. And I think it might be, uh, like, character like character class building time. He might spend some time, like, pushing the into the possibilities of, of bending time. Yeah, I think I know what Josh was about to say. Uh oh. Well, you tell me what you were thinking. Yeah. Leveling up. Nope. Wasn't leveling up. It was about sending. And oh, oh, nice. Yeah, it was. Well, (laughs) not for you guys. Um, (laughs) We um, we established recently a detail that I had not um, realized earlier in the story, and so you've been getting some free stuff that you shouldn't have been getting. Because um, with no access to a weave for the magic to function through, magic is limited to the range of the weave uh, that you carry with you. So spells like sending yeah. and message should only work within the 100-foot radius or 120 or whatever it is. It of, has to be on the same weave. Yeah, basically it has to be. It's like, it's like a phone line that's not connected to anything. So I you see. can send it and the spell will work, but until the other, like until the recipient is within the bounds of the weave, it won't show up. So all the messages you've sent so far are going to all come crashing in whenever you fix magic, if you do. (laughs) So are we recounting? Are we taking away all the the sending that has happened or just saying it did happen, but now I understand, like Zoth understands it won't happen. Yeah, nothing nothing is being, I'm not taking anything away that's already happened. I'm just saying that I as a DM made a dumb. Yeah, I as a DM did a dumb and now we're fixing it. Okay. I want to imagine, right, did you just, once he realized this, like if Zoth had any evil bone in his fiber, um, just start being like, I'm going to pick one person and I'm going to message them every day (laughs) until I find them. And when I find them, they're just going to be hit by a cacophony of messages. (laughs) (laughs) You could use that to like jam the radios for private security goons. If you could get their names like a manifest, you could try and just block them. Right. Um, <laughs> the one name we did have is dead. <laughs> so, 
don't call me out on my evil bone on a fiber. Um, so <laughs> what I have right now that we want to get done while we're still in, in the royal holdings is Zoth wants to heal the doctor's daughter. Alan wants to get back into artificing and tinkering and maybe buy some supplies and try to work through his block. And then mm -hmm. we want um, Fox wants a day at the spa or maybe everyone groups up at the spa at the end of that day. And then new branch of... And the new guys. branch of, of four guys. And Jeb wants so, to do time magic. Matt's got a hand up. Uh, the one important thing, since everybody's already doing class-related or important stuff mm -hmm. besides, you know, the spa, uh, was I actually am probably going to go to try pester Jeb because now that I know that I've somehow committed magic at some point, I want to mm -hmm. learn what triggers it and what I can do. And now that we have a time to sit down and you know, relax. Yeah. So yeah, we can do that, pup. So here's my suggestion. Here's my suggestion for what we do next session, then, and you oh, guys thanks, can, can tell me what you what you think of it. Um, but what if for the next session we play out that Zothkug is going to go out in the morning and um, heal the doctor's daughter and maybe have some interaction there or whatever. But like that's his little morning errand to run. Yep. Um, Owlin is in charge of the four guys establishment. So he you know, fills out some paperwork and takes letters to Scale and Sons, which could include Jeb's letter to Holly. But like he drops off all those letters and that way on his way home, he swings by the market, picks up some supplies and tinkers. And then Owlin, uh, not Owlin, Fox and Jeb um, kind of together sort of try and, and work on some magic things. Like, you know, Jeb's got a spell book back and Fox notices him doing that. And so that way we have like three little mini stories and then the, and that can be your morning errands so that we kind of end that like with the understanding that like, Hey, by the end of the day, we're all going to head over to the spa and we'll, yeah. you know, play each one will be like a third of the session and then we'll end the day at the spa and it'll really be like a campfire episode. Like we'll lean into you guys playing and I won't plan very much. Okay. I yeah, I I'm excited thinking about it. All right, so then, um, also I guess for the paperwork, is that including messages to Yathen? Since Soth yeah, cannot... so Scale and Sons will take will take the letters to Yathen. Okay. I can end. Okay, cool. Um, cool. So this will push back Zothkaga tuning to the rod another episode. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Um, because we're doing that. We when need you this travel. decompression time. Yeah. Um, cool. I like it. We, we, we leave the audience wanting more. Do you want more we're, chat? We're <laughs> doing that after we're finished with the Tavern Talk tonight, right? We're like, we're playing that tonight. Like, we're, no. we're going to play some D&D today, no. right? Because we're so excited about it and, and need it in our yeah. lives. We're going to play that no, tonight, right? No, because Jacob no. has a capstone no. essay to write. Four-hour block. We just we just yeah. book right now, all right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know that's Four what people normally do for D and D, right? Like that's that's how people usually play the game. Although to be fair, the rod, thirty minutes, let's go. And I think in person <laughs> has a different energy for four hours than over digital. Like I love you guys, and it's amazing to play D and D with you, and it's so fun. But a digital does not have the same energy as in person. I was going to oh, go no. the opposite direction. I was going to say I feel like we get more game accomplished in two hours than most four-hour in-person sessions. Do. No, I, <laughs> I I do agree, but I think like four-hour in-person session, you know, I can I can make it through all of that because it's like in-person energy. We're bouncing off each other. We're doing all this stuff and like the people and all this stuff um versus like over discord is awesome but it is like staring at a screen can i can i just say that doing it over discord successfully mind you has taught me a lesson which is uh -huh. um which perhaps i haven't fully embodied y'all can tell me but that <laughs> oh, like food ahead of time 
Well, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, is uh, sometimes like no matter how excited I am or like really want to say something, it's just like, all right, I, this is a moment where I just need to shut up. Yeah. And you know, if it's really important, I'll get my point in eventually. But if it's not, or we move past it, then we didn't. You know. At least that's what I would like to think I took away from it. Uh, yeah. You all can tell me if uh, you're like, Matt, you have not done that at all. You've been <laughs> interrupting all of us constantly every yeah, session. Matt. You just <laughs> never stop if, uh, talking, Matt. Come on. It depends uh, on if Thief Scant is involved. I'm kidding, Matt. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the skills that I have seen all four of you develop really well is letting different characters have the spotlight. And like, you know, and not just not just being willing to let it happen, but proactively identifying like, oh, this is a moment for that character. I'm going to tone back the like funny interruptions or I'm going to tone back my character doing stuff and to really think about it narratively. And then even I've really seen while we've been in the Royal Holdings, you guys have taken it to the next level where I've seen some stuff like, um, you know, one person's having a scene and I can think of one specifically where Alan is having a scene where he's sort of trying to work through this this artificing block and Fox is like, my character is going to enter this narrative to help pr like push Alan's story forward and like trying to be sensitive to how those two things interact. And like, I just think that's really cool. I don't see that in a lot of D&D games. And I think it is a mark of great like gameplay that you guys have. So, yeah, I think we've improved a lot at that as yep. well. And I think that we've all done a good job of like um, fostering an environment where that's encouraged, if that makes sense. I remember mm -hmm. early on there was a somewhat not heated, but like a disagreement that I remember. I think Josh and I had over discord of like I was like, hey, Josh, whenever I make a joke, it feels like you always say shush. And then it's like and then Josh very politely explained, well, it's not every time a and B, it's you know, sometimes another character is having a great moment and you don't want to like interrupt that. And I was like, oh, shoot, you're totally right. And then like, I feel like <laughs> communication about that kept being really positive and really good as like far as like figuring out what those moments are. Yeah. And that I feel like has like fostered a great thing. But like at the time when I didn't understand what that was about or what the point of that was or hadn't really been in a group where that was like the vibe, I was just kind of like, I'm trying to be funny, Josh. Why are you stopping <laughs> me from being funny? <laughs> You know, uh, um, but yeah, I think that's been I think that's been great to see as well. I will say this has been a unique experience for me, for sure. And it's not even done. No, like we're not even we're not even done. <laughs> and on this final episode <laughs> of Wingbatcher Tavern, oh my god, <laughs> the end of our Twitch career. <laughs> oh man, that makes me sad inside. Where eventually it comes to a close. I, I mean, I have all good things about... must come to an end. I, I have but. thoughts about what the end looks like, though, um, for for something I, like this. I feel like we're not even like halfway through, though. I kind of feel that, too. I, I feel like this is a grand story that has only just begun. Yeah. I, th I think we are. I think this is a three season story is my current yeah. guess. And obviously, like I, this is not something where you can just write it out and be like, it's that many seasons because like there are five people who are all actively writing the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my guess is that it's a, a five or a three season story. Um, Don't Game my, of Thrones it. I guess. Don't um, Game of Thrones it. Don't oh, extend no. it longer than it needs to be. No, no, uh, don't, don't shorten it to get to the end quicker. Oh, no. Don't do any Absolutely of that. Absolutely not. Just yeah, do it good. all of our characters. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I also... I fear like, I don't character know about... death so bad. 
I don't know about you guys, but I also feel if, like, and obviously things can change, lives can change, you know, maybe by the end of the time we end this, we're all in totally different life situations, and that's totally fair, because that's how life works. Um, but by the time it ends, I get the feeling that we'll all be like, okay, when's the next one? Yeah. What's the next one? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, but. being virtual makes it a lot easier, because, like, if it was in person, and then all of a sudden, switching to virtual. Yeah. So, like, already being virtual, I think, helps is like to our benefit I, I could see us doing like a legend of Korra <laughs> you know what I'm Except saying a better better quality than legend of Korra right oh 100% Obviously. yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. Uh, like you mean where it, where it we actually off, get out you yeah. know <laughs> you mean where like we planned for one season and then it just ended up being more well no you know. I, I don't know in what sense of Legend of Korra you're talking about. I think he well, meant a derivative work. Sequel show. Yeah. 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 Oh. Where it's like much later in the future. And... Oh, I see. Yeah. Televibing is widely accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could also pick a time during the, the, um, during like the world building and like dive into that more. Like, yeah, mid yeah. world build. That'd be cool. Ending. Dude, we can meet the king when he's really old. Ending well <laughs> is really important to me in stories. And um, and I have some ideas for like the landing of of the story that will leave it like that will give us some options, I think. And I'm I'm yeah. really excited to hopefully not like F the whole thing up. And you guys are like, well, that was unsatisfying. But like, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to have the opportunity to try and land the plane. So hopefully we, we are all still friends. By then. <laughs> it, it ends with another two mile drop into the Aboleth layer. That's that's where it, and that's yeah. the yeah. end. Circle. Like the Aboleth is still down there. You yeah. guys have just put the pieces yep. of the rod together and then you drop and you die splat on the ground. We end become of the next Aboleth. Howland fills his strength save and we die. <laughs> and we just die. Uh, I I will say, I know the joke is hopefully we're all still friends by then. The I don't I don't I highly doubt that the reason this would ever stop is because like we're not friends anymore. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like I yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but also, maybe I just maybe I totally just jinxed it. Maybe we're gonna have the worst falling out of any TND group ever. Dude, can you imagine? That'd be crazy. Oh, man. Jake, I hate that guy. I know, Matt. What a freaking <laughs> guy! Wow. Okay, tempers are high. I feel like uh, we need to kind of smooth these over, and I think the best way to do that is by moving into everybody's favorite segment, the tavern back room or tavern within a tavern, where Ooh. Jake goes and makes a little little mixed drink that is dinned themed. Yeah, we, jo- we need to uh, put some liquor on the fire. I was going to say, Josh basically just described alcoholism. Okay, I'm going to go get... Uh, well, only for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, only for me. I'm going to go get the... I don't I, th- I don't know how to pronounce it, really. The sword and chambord. That's right, which, and t- Trevor's going to tell us what a chambord is while you do yeah, that. Yeah, that's t- the word. Yeah, that uh, I totally remember the definition of when I... And I'll totally hear you while you get chambord. it. Champord uh, is a raspberry liqueur modeled after liqueur produced in Lior Valley of France during the late 17th century. All right. Fancy. So it's a French word. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Easy no, um, But <laughs> just very, very quickly, um, I really fear like a character death and how that would impact everything. Oh, I don't. Like, I obviously. Don't... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Obviously, I don't like 
want Josh to pull any punches. Like, I still want the tension to be real. But like, if it happens, like, how is that going to affect everything? How would a new character be brought in? Like, that just right. like baffles. What's me. what's the over and under on who's going to die? Like, if if somebody does oh, die like for each character, that's yeah, kind of fun. For, yeah, who who's it going to be? Like, I, who, I can assure you, you that there are no punches being there are no punches being pulled on this side of the game screen. Okay. Um, I mean, I, gotta, I, I figured not. I gotta say, Owlin's take, like, being our tank of the group yeah. has come real close he multiple has. times. I think the order of likelihood of character deaths is, I think Owlin's at the top, I think <laughs> then it's Fox, then I think it's really? Jeb, and then I think it's Zoth. And the reason I think it's that order is because Owlin is literally at the front of every combat and yeah. and already has demonstrably come closest to death many times. <laughs> um, last yeah. time you fought the big bads, Owlin fell, I think, three times in that combat. Two or three times, yeah. Um, we got him. The, we saved him. Well, that's, luckily Zoth is at the bottom of this line, so as long as Zoth <laughs> is okay, we have, a, we have a chance. I think Fox is the next most likely because Fox is like very confident in his wiles and it only takes one time of being caught mm. flanking to like well now it's just me and all of you you know and i think hey, that's already precedent too. Once. yeah like we I, all got out and fox got you yeah know, left it, behind. Um, i will say he he definitely has that mentality of like risk is worth it yeah which is also why, like, that's why Jeb is next on the list, because Jeb is, like, a pro-risk kind of guy, and Zoth is not really a pro-risk <laughs> kind of guy. Zoth is, like, a very mellow, oh, at yeah, least I in do my think Fox is understanding least, or not Fox, uh, Zoth the, is least likely, for sure. The only way I see it being different is because Zoth is the healer, and if we're fighting people who, like, know how to fight and know battle strategy, you sort of always go for the healers first, and so it becomes who can keep the healers alive better. That's true. Um, um, I think that's true in a world where everything functions the way it's supposed to. Most of your yeah. enemies do not realize that you have access to magic. Now, when that's you're fighting true. the Aboleths, they, I mean, they know. But like, because yeah. mm -hmm. um, they, they know you know, have a rod. They know, they that's know. the you scenario know. in they which I think Zoth goes first is like if the enemies have figured figured it out. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to put Jeb a little higher on the list because he's kind of squishy, but he's also tricksy too. He's anyway, like, you know, he could teleport away or something like that. All right, that, Jake, you know? this is your moment to shine now. This is Go my Jake. moment oh. to shine. Okay, the sword and shimboard. In the wilds of the land, there is little that a warrior can count on aside from their own strength and the weapons they wield. You have to make sure everything is perfectly balanced so that nothing fails you at the worst moment. This drink manages to strike that perfect balance of spicy, sweet, and strong that will leave you refreshed and ready for everything. So... This is for my for people who drink cocktails out there. This is basically a Moscow Mule, but with a little bit of raspberry liquor in it as well. So hmm. it's you don't vodka. have the copper mug. I do not have the copper mug. I do not own one of those. I wish that would be kind of cool. Um, but it is vodka, raspberry liquor, lime juice, and ginger beer. Um, the oh, extra. Did your beer is pretty good. It's so uh, good. Mm -mm. The extra little bit of flavor text <laughs> <laughs> is those discerning drinkers who favor the taste of the sword and chambord cocktail will often have similar ideas on how it should be presented. Specifically, it is determined to be best when served in a tankard. So basically the copper mug thing. But <laughs> already I've never had so, one. You've never had so a Moscow mule? No. Oh, it's it's a solid drink, I would say. I I prefer like I don't 
There are other uh, mules too. There are other mules, and I and I prefer like something like a gin and tonic if I want something that's kind of more of like a fizzy cocktail drink. You know what I mean? Um, but it's I don't know. It's not bad. Deep thoughts with Zoth. There are other mules, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna give this a taste. I have not tried it yet, obviously. So here we go. I'm wondering what the raspberry taste will add to the Moscow Mule. That's my main wonder. Oh, uh, I thought it'd be more red. Uh, yeah, it's only a little tiny little bit. And the, I think the raspberry liquor I bought actually is clear. So mm. that's why it's wow. not <laughs> red. Good to know. But it is raspberry flavored, so. Dun dun. Oh! That's good. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> We got a positive response. He's How going in for a second pay? taste. He's he's tasting it. He's moving it over his tongue. He's shaking raspberry, his head. Raspberry yeah, adds a lot to uh, a Moscow Mule. I really like that. And the ratios, I think, are good, too, because sometimes a Moscow Mule can be too ginger beery, if that makes sense. Um, Isn't that just a matter of adjusting the ratio? Yeah, but I, I go by the ratios that are in the book. Oh, OK. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, I would I would pay a wingle for that. I wouldn't go all the way to wingle digit like it's not like my favorite, but like I like that is solid. That is a solid drink that I will make again. One wingles worth. One wingles worth. Wingles worth is the name of my dad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say butler. <laughs> that's, like a, that's actually not a bad like family name to add to oh, Wingglesworth. I'll change my last name to Wingglesworth. Yeah, I'm Josh Winglesworth. That, that <laughs> honestly doesn't sound that bad. You're right. Josh Joshua Winglesworth. My so, wife and I um, didn't change our name after we got married because she was in the process of like uh, some paperwork with her job and it would have been a, a real hassle to like redo all that paperwork. Um, so we've been talking now about like, well, neither of us is that attached to our last name. So maybe we should just change our name to something like, you know, something unique or different for something us. Something like Winglesworth. Well, yeah. So we've been considering some options. Some are more popular than others in our household. Um, <laughs> my, my favorite suggestion actually came from my brother-in-law who suggested that we change our name every 10 years and we use them like chapter titles. So it's like Josh and his wife go to the movies. Josh and his wife learn the meaning of friendship. Like it just <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's funny. That it's is just so funny. much of a hassle to, to like go through all the name change stuff. Yeah. So, can I can I transition us back to D and D with a question? Yeah. No. Absolutely wanna, not. After after the conversation we had before the tavern within the tavern, which, by the way, you heard it here, folks. His father's Wingleworth, and he gave it a wingle. Back yes. to you, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Um, <laughs> so, to bring up the elephant in the room, um, there's an elephant where? Yeah, it's it's actually right behind the camera. Oh, trust me, it's there. Source, source. Trust me, bro. Um, we're talking about death, right? And who's yeah. more likely to die? What would have happened? on that mile high drop <laughs> if we hadn't pulled that out of our like we, we pulled that out of our you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> we I'm surprised we lived me too um, with as little injury by the way 
I think we only got a dislocated shoulder. shoulder. Yeah. I like to follow TPKs into the afterlife unless the players want to roll all new new characters. In this case, that would have been a really interesting journey for you guys because there isn't, like, so to speak, um, a pathway for you to, like, go on to the afterlife. But generally, unless the party collectively are like, I want to roll new characters in a TPK, that's what I would have done, is I would have followed your your character's, like, spirits into the afterlife, and we would have explored afterlife there. roleplay. That could have been a really interesting story, like, because, like, if you're, if you're trapped on the mater- material plane, yeah, and, like... Ghost. Yeah, being able to encounter like all of the other ghosts in the Abolith's lair and essentially like being ghost sleuths, that could have taken the story in a very different direction. I would have added like a whole nother season, you know? I would also be open to doing this in the event of a character death. If one of your characters died and you really didn't want to like give them up or roll a new character, I'm totally willing to have parallel arcs where like, you know, the spirit is trying to get back to the body and then the other players are trying to figure out how to reunite the spirit. I've done that in a previous uh, campaign, sorry, somewhat similarly, where like during the interim, I played a different character for like three or four sessions. But then by the time the party was able to like bring me back, I did a session of like, like kind of like catching up on my role play in the afterlife and then, you know, coming back. It is important to um, recognize there are ways in which your characters could die in this world where they are just gone. Like yeah. it's a possibility, um, but Assuming that possibility doesn't come to fruition, that's that's a thing we could do. Wash has a hand up. Do you have like special rules for death and resurrection? Um, do you mean the act of dying or the way that death and resurrection work, like mechanically speaking? Mechanically speaking, yeah. Uh, mechanically speaking, de- are there, do you have like special rules for death and taxes, specifically related to wingle digits? Um, it hasn't come up yet, so I haven't fleshed them out, but I have like a skeleton of the concept in my mind of the way that it would work. Mostly the answer is you can't. Like it would take a whole lot of wingle digits because we're mostly talking ninth level spells by the time you can get somebody to um, a place where there's enough magical power to do it. Um, well, I do have Revivify, so as long as it's within like a minute and we have the diamonds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've heard... I've heard some alternate rules that I have toyed around with where like when a character is resurrected, the the cleric that resurrects them does so by pinning a portion of their soul to the cleric's soul. So if that cleric dies, all of the souls that are with them or, or pinned to them also die. Um, oh, what am I missing? Are you the guys chat, just doing you're just missing the chat. It's OK. Oh. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm not a nerd. Uh, that's why I'm Damn talking it. about death, advanced death mechanics. <laughs> uh, or, or the, it'll do things like the more times that your character dies, the more difficult. Oh. Like there's a there's a DC in in resurrecting, and so I just didn't know if you had any like special. I see what you amplifying. mean. So- from from that point of view, yes, there is something that I like to do with character resurrections. I thought you were talking about how would you achieve like making a resurrection possible in this world. When a character is resurrected, I like to give them sort of a mini dungeon, like the pathway between wherever their soul is now back to their body. 
um, because usually they like traditionally in D and D your soul travels to one of the outer planes. And so I like to give them a pathway that they can, they can journey on as like a little mini dungeon. And that has ramifications for what they, you know, what they are like when they come back. Like maybe they've seen things that twist their soul a little bit. And so their alignment is different, or maybe they have a buff and debuff to some of their abilities or, you know, something like that. Um, and I agree with you. I think I would probably make it more challenging the more times it happened. Like, you, you know, death is still death. Um, yeah. and especially when we're talking about revivify, you know, we're talking about a character who died, their soul departed their body un- underwent significant tra- like transportation and possibly like transformation and then was shoved back into that body again, all within 60 seconds. That's a kind of trauma that like, I don't even know I can visualize well enough to try and role play. Like this is not some smooth, like you close your eyes, you open them and like kiss the girl type thing. This is horrifying. And I would attempt to make it feel that way. Yeah. I would attempt to make it feel that way. Mm. Um, The other thing I was thinking is there is a mechanic that I I like to implement with the act of a character dying, which is that when they die, they have a death action that is um, bound only by the narrative. So like your character can come up with a way that they use their last breath to assist or do a thing or whatever. And I remember I, you told us that right before the finale. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and I don't even adjudicate it. I let the character pitch it to the table. And as long as everyone is on board, then like, that's what happens. It doesn't matter. My dying breath, I kill the Avalus. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> um, I would probably cut in at that point. I know. I know. Got I know. Uh, Rupold discovered. Yeah. What, what you got, Matt? Um, so I, I had a question about like the whole death mechanics. Yeah. Um, can I eat the plate? <laughs> <laughs> that is a story for another time, but it's a great story. Maybe if we ever have a, a session where a couple of us are sick or something and we have to like, you know, fill time, we'll reminisce about some old D and D stories. Um, oh, cause man, are there some great D and D stories about Matt? The, the death mechanics sounds like a fantastic necromancer group. It also sounds like a great band. The death it's a metal band. Oh, dude! It's, it's oh. just all necromancer bard multi-classers. <laughs> I do love that. Either that or artificers because they're mechanics. Get it? Oh, <laughs> nice. They have, no, no, no. they have a necromancer. They have a bard, and they have an artificer. There you go. Mind your necromancers. Who's the singer? Who's the drummer? Get out of here. <laughs> Dude, the, I I I'm not even talented at music, and I want to make a band called the Death Mechanics. That's awesome. Yeah, you could be their agent. Yeah, I, I'll know. I'll, I'll music videos. I know we've talked He's about the Death guy. Mechanics as being like a metal band up until now, but I actually picture them as being like the White Stripes. That's like the vibe that oh, I get from the Death yeah, Mechanics. Yeah, like yeah, that, you know? like kind of indie cool. punk, indie yeah, rock, like, yeah, like indie pop, yeah. I'm we all just said no three different stone. things and prefaced, prefaced them with indie, but like I said they were punk, Josh said they were pop, <laughs> Matt said they were rock. I don't That's think they're basically pop. the same. So whoever the white stripes are, we know they're indie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, pop is just all encompassing. It's just it's whatever's, whatever's popular, popular at the time. Yeah. The time. Yeah. So, That's so Josh could fall under both of those. I'm popular right now. I love yeah. that. Yeah, always. I'm yeah. independently popular. Yes. And on that note, <laughs> I'm trying to make sure Zoth doesn't die. Um, Dude, your drink just looks like DM. Fresca. It does look like Fresca. Dude, Fresca is so good. 
Fresca started making alcoholic drinks. I haven't tried them yet, but I'm really oh, intrigued ooh. to try them. Yeah, I love Fresca so much. Yeah, it's good. Too. They started making no, it's seltzers. Bad. Trevor, alcoholic pledge your allegiance seltzers. to Fresca or die. Okay. <laughs> I, I choose death. <laughs> All right, sorry. I'm looking at the chat. That's the death mechanics were born. <laughs> chat says there's a group of three sisters in my campaign called Zombie Magnet as a house nice. band at one of the local taverns. Nice. Zombie awesome. Magnet is great. That's pretty awesome hear that. name. And whenever we do story time, I want to hear that story. Yeah. Yo. That's the opposite of Turn Undead. Unfortunately, uh, that time will not be tonight as we are actually no. just about out of time.